You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway, an attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to another edition of Break a Bat where baseball meets Broadway. I'm your host, Al Malafronte, coming at you for the Broadway Podcast Network, and I can tell you off the bat, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, Tonight, we welcome a very special hitter to the batter's box who made their Broadway debut almost exactly 10 years ago. Uh, Back in February of 2011, she stepped into the role of Elphaba in the now-storied Wicked franchise here on Broadway after playing the role for uh, three years out west. And ever since then, she's put together a phenomenal back of the baseball card with even more wonderful Broadway credits that include anything from Jekyll and Hyde to Finding Netherland uh, to The Share Show, all shows in which she took on a leading role in the lineup. And in doing so, uh, she's really cemented herself as an impact player here on the Broadway that we're so grateful could join us tonight. With that being said, if you'll please turn your attention to Home Plate, just beyond the marquee. Now batting, Teal Wicks. Teal, welcome to Break a Bat. Hello, hello. So good to be here. Happy February, (laughs) end of February. (laughs) I'm so stoked that you could be here, and I'm glad that you brought like that musical spirit with you. That's like the best vibe and energy that we could bring to the show. How are you? I haven't seen you in a very long time. Um, I'm good. I have spent a lot of time in my um, apartment. I've gotten to know every nook and cranny of my small New York apartment. So anybody in New York in little apartments, you know what I'm feeling. Um, but yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm just hanging in there going day to day, um, watching a lot of things, listening to a lot of podcasts, which is a new thing for me. I'm, I have, basically new to the podcast listening world. And this last year I've been devouring a lot. So I'm like, oh, okay. So it's very fun to be on this. Obviously Breakabout's your favorite, right? Absolutely. I mean, Broadway and the baseball. It's (laughs) it's so good. And the baseball. (laughs) The baseball. The sports, you know? (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, totally, totally. And, and when I, you know, when I introduced you, you know, did that take you back to your time at Dodger Stadium when you were singing the national anthem, uh, you know, before a uh, sellout crowd? Yep. Oh my gosh. So yeah, it's like, yeah, I could hear the echoes of like the sound just like echoing throughout the stadium, um, and uh, just hearing the 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 thousands of people cheering. Oh, the warm. California, Los Angeles, sun on my face, all of it. Now, you said you've been bunkered down in the city. Did you get to uh, escape back uh, to Cali at all during this and, you know, see the family or anything like that? I did, actually. Um, yeah, I spent, it. I was almost like three months. I don't even know how that happened, but uh, I went back and my um, my fella, my, my fiance fella, he's also from California, uh, but he works in the real world. He has like a serious corporate job. So he's been working the whole time, which honestly, uh, which we are so, so fortunate that one of us has had a job uh, throughout the last year. Um, so I went out a little bit early and then he came and joined me because his family's out there. So we did a very long, um, you know, three weeks in one place, sort of until we traveled to another place in California but it was nice. It was very nice to be there. And I just stayed there for a long time. I went on a lot of hikes, spent a lot of time outside and it was great. Yeah. You know, it's pretty interesting. You know, I think as far as your career goes and right now you're smack in the middle of your prime, as we like to say in baseball, you always seem to be working. So whether it's, at, you know, on Broadway or in the touring or regional productions, you know, you're such a workaholic. Have you handled the downtime? Okay. No. No, bad. <laughs> I, um, I'm kind of a, a lazy person. I've realized that about myself. Um, I've sort of always thought of, kind of considered it, but I realize now I'm like, oh, I'm actually uh, really lazy. And if I don't have a busy schedule, I'm really good at wasting a lot of time doing nothing, which is great when I, when things are normal and I have like time off and I, I embrace my downtime very well. I'm really good at that. So having like a full year of nothing but downtime has not been great because I do nothing. Like I'm not one of the fabulous artists who's like, I'm going to now write my dream show, or I'm going to learn how to play this instrument and write songs, or I'm going to go and be, learn a whole new career and another skill set. I'm literally just sitting here like twiddling my thumbs, watching Netflix, staring, well, actually staring out the window a lot and watching all these pigeons fly around. And I'm like, oh, wow. Wow. That's a lot of pigeons. Hmm. I'm soon going to name them all because like I can note, I can distinguish, I can distinguish the different pigeons from the other ones. You sound a lot like my old roommate, uh, Matt Demetroff. We used to live, uh, we lived in an apartment together before, uh, you know, before the world changed. And uh, yeah, we like lived right on this <laughs> yeah. like rooftop and there were all these pigeons and he started naming them because, you know, they were kind of different. He kind of reminded me of like Bert from Sesame Street because he was able to, you know, like oh, distinguish yeah. these, th this obsession with pigeons of his. It was, it was pretty, uh, pretty interesting. So the quarantine really brings out different sides of people. Yeah. And I, I am not a pigeon fan. I mean, I, I really love nature. I love wildlife, but, um, pigeons have always kind of been low on my list of animals. I went for a jog today because the weather's starting to get nice and a pigeon almost flew in my face. And I was like, Oh my God, get now, 
out. It got really close to my head and I freaked out. Um, so I like them out when I'm looking at them out my window, but like, don't touch me pigeons because it's gonna, it's gonna be a problem. (laughs) (laughs) So this is my pigeon journey during the pandemic. (laughs) Now I have to tell you, this is such a unique circumstance for me because I've done almost 75 episodes of the show. Um, maybe a little more than half of the guest roster has come from the Broadway world And this is legitimately the first time I've spoken with someone who actually sang on what I consider to be one of my top two or three favorite show tunes. Really? What is it? And I'm talking OBC. And I'm going to give you (gasps) one that I highly doubt anyone's ever called their favorite, at least to you. Um, Although, you know, I'm sure many people have told you how great you sounded on it. But uh, after Room Where It Happens from Hamilton, I think my all-time favorite show tune is all of London is here tonight from Finding Neverland. And I know Mary Berry wasn't the nicest girl, but I gotta say, I only remember her fondly because of that song. Oh my God. I mean, it's actually a great, I have a great uh, vocal line. It's a great line. I mean, let's drink champagne. And I get to like belt it really high. I mean, who doesn't want that? I don't know why I haven't made like, millions of dollars off of that. And people are like using that for advertising and, and TikTok and memes and all those things the kids do these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see you have a little uh, concoction uh, right there. Is that, that's not champagne. I have, this is not champagne. This is, I'm going to be very honest. This is um, kombucha with some bourbon. Ooh, that sounds delicious. <laughs> I'm sitting here with like my great gonzo mug filled with peppermint tea. So you win. <laughs> just that's where we're at that's where we're at <laughs> yeah you know it's funny we you talk about like the champagne it's funny the, the, when i first got hooked on that song it was years after i'd seen finding neverland broadway i was at a bachelor party and i was i was on like one of the first flights out to nashville so we did like an airbnb and as my friends were arriving uh you know i'd kind of worked like anyone who's anyone is here like into like the greeting is like they walked into the airbnb you could tell you, you can tell i'm really into the song so <laughs> oh my god that's awesome <laughs> what's your favorite show tune oh my god my favorite show tune that's really really hard i'm just gonna say the first one that popped into my head because there's a thousand and it depends on what day it is but um the ballad of sweeney todd is honestly one of my favorites i that like it's just it's so good <laughs> wait have you watched the office um not not very much which is funny because I keep getting, um, can I say shit? <laughs> I keep getting shit for it. Cause I was like, Oh, I've, I sort of missed the office train. All this free time and all these shows that you're binging. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you to pay for another subscription service like NBC Peacock since they took it <laughs> off Netflix, but there was a whole thing centered around that. Like the episode opens where it's like, is that, is the Bella Sweeney Todd the one that opens with like a 10, the tale of Sweeney Todd? Is that, is that uh-huh. the, yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, now you might. So good. So good. Attend the tale of Sweeney Todd. Oh, it's 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 just it's magic because it 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 goes on a journey and voices are added. The harmonies are crazy. It like goes and then Sweeney him, his himself appears near the end as a voice and it's like it's epic. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So interesting taste there. So like growing up in Northern California, like, you know, back in the nineties, you're such a Cali girl. Who's kidding who? 
Were you like, I am. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally. You have that vibe. It's fantastic. You know, were you more into like the Rogers and Hammerstein Gershwin stuff or like, did you get more drawn into the modern shows? Modern stuff. Um, I, I, I like to say when people sort of ask me of like my musical, like vocal kind of influences that I was like, it was Julie Andrews. Um, because I was obsessed with Mary Poppins. I used to sort of think that Mary Poppins was my actual nanny. It was Julie Andrews and Janis Joplin. So it was, so I I loved, I loved rock and roll. I loved rock and roll and blues and, um, and, and then, but I also, I, I liked musical theater, but the musicals that I sort of discovered first, well, some were the, the golden age films. Like, I mean, I was in love with Gene Kelly. Like Gene Kelly was just my absolute jam. Um, to almost any film that he was in. And uh, but then from my parents, like Phantom of the Opera, Les Mis, those are sort of the the two musicals that were the most well known. And I sort of got to know those as well. And then I when I was a teenager, I discovered rent. And I was like, oh my God, this is musical theater meets rock and roll meets pop music. Like what? This is my, I just, my brain exploded. So, so yeah, it took me a while to actually dig into the classic music, like more traditional musical theater. That sort of, I discovered that more when I was in college because I wanted to be in a rock and roll band or an actor. So any contemporary musical that had, you know, all of like, you know, sort of kind of phantom Les Mis that was like traditional musical theater meets contemporary pop rock sort of sounds. There's a lot of electric uh, synthesizers and electric guitars and all of that. And I was like, this is cool. And then in college, I was like, oh, I need to learn my history about musical theater. And then dug more into Rodgers and Hammerstein and, and like discovered Harold Arlen, who's one of my absolute favorite composers and went deep dive into his sort of writings and made me appreciate more of the, the sort of forties, fifties, uh, canon of musical theater. Even though I think Harold Arlen was also like thirties, forties. Anyways, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you mentioned that rock and roll and blues thing though. I think that bodes so well with your personality as a performer. You know, I often think of you as part of like the new guard that's made theater cool for a whole new generation. Do you, do you feel that way? Do you feel, feel kind of part of that like contingent of like, you know, from the 2010s onward? Like, that's, that's no, kind of how I, but no? that's amazing. No, I feel like I don't, that's, that, that means a lot. That's very, very sweet. Um, and that means a lot. Cause I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think of my, I don't know. I don't really know. It's, it's weird. I, I love my Broadway world and my community, but sometimes I very much feel like an outsider because I have so so many friends and family that are just not a part of it. And I, I feel very, and my, you know, my person, my partner in life, he's not in this world at all. So it's like half of me is very out of it. And then half of me is very much in it. So there are times, sometimes I feel kind of like an outsider. Um, I don't know. And I feel like there's a lot of people doing really cool things. I mean, there's so many like shows that I think are the coolest shows ever that I'm like, oh, I just want to be in that show, but I never get cast in it. 
you always have a job though. I mean, it seems like you've, you've <laughs> I mentioned earlier though, you've been like, since you came on the scene, you've always been doing something. That's why I, you know, I, it's interesting. You know, I, I, you've talked in the past about how you grew up, not as a like conventional theater kid. And you just kind of alluded to that now, but you, you know, dreaming yeah. of being, being a rock star. That's a very California thing. I think that's awesome. <laughs> and you had to learn how to separate that dream from your goal of becoming a successful performer. Just to bring a little baseball parallel into this. There's a lot of examples where guys crumble because they can't separate wanting to be a celebrity and actually performing on the field. Matt Harvey's a great example of that for the Met fans listening. And, you know, in your case, you know, was separating that something that you had to learn before you actually entered the business or something that you kind of learned along the way? Um, I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't, sorry, this is taking me a long time to figure out how to answer this question. So I'm sure you probably will be like, okay, Teal, we'll, we'll edit you in when you finally come up with your answer. Um, <laughs> I think, I think it was just, uh, I think no matter what you just, uh, it's big dreams and it's a lot of dreaming. And I, I think what sort of made me realize I wanted to be an actor was I dreamt of being so many different things. And there was a point where I was like, well, I'm not going to be in a rock band because I can't play any instruments. I don't write songs. I don't have enough friends who play instruments who are good. Um, and I really want to be an actor. <laughs> so, so I was like, oh, if I'm an actor, then I can pretend to be a rock star. I can also, my other dream when I was little was to be um, an archaeologist because I thought that meant that I could be like Indiana Jones. <laughs> so just as the weird things go as when we're young and dream of being so many different things. I was like, Oh, if I'm an actor, then I get to pretend to do all these things. So I can kind of embrace those dreams and hold on to a small part of it and maybe hopefully bring it to life in something that I do at some point. Now you mentioned that, you know, you didn't necessarily have family in the industry. Did they support you in what you were looking to do? Oh yes. I, my family, was amazing back then when I was telling them that I kind of wanted to do it and are still amazing and still incredibly supportive. I'm, I'm very, very, very lucky to have that. And my, my parents and a lot of family love the arts and we're always supporters of the arts. So they introduced me into that kind of world and, uh, and have realized how important it is to support artists and how important the arts are to everyone and especially to young people growing up and how freeing it can be for them. And so I am so lucky for that. My parents have seen every single show I've been in. Um, they fly across country and <laughs> they've been to a few of my opening nights and it's very, it's, it's fun. It's time for today's lucky land horoscope with Victoria cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now, you had success early. And that, you know, not long after you graduated college, you have put Wicked on the map out west. And, you know, I know you've originated a number of roles, you know, in ways that haven't necessarily been done before. You know, when you take a step back, you know, smack in the middle of your prime here, as I said earlier, you know, what are you most proud of as far as what you've accomplished in show business? Oh, gosh, that's a real deep question. I told you this is going to be like unlike yeah. any other show this you've ever good. been on. <laughs> <laughs> I got to think about that because um, let me think about that. Um, I think it, it, it's always a journey, and I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm an adult. I'm, I'm getting close to a very big milestone birthday, and it's, it's just wild to think that I'm actually, when I think about little, little Teal, who's like, Broadway, what is that? That's, that's, wow, it's in New York and you get to act and sing and dance on stage and all of these things. I try to keep myself in check, remind myself, like you are, you are living that dream that you had as a little girl. And that's, it's incredible and try not to take it for granted. Um, but I, I think I, I'm always, I, I never, okay. I believe that you are never a finished product and there was always more to learn. I mean, I, I think the beautiful thing about being an artist is that you're always evolving and learning and growing. And I'm probably going to be doing that until I'm basically like dead because there's always something new to learn. And that's what's so wonderful about it all. And, and as you learn, you get to grow as a person and push yourself and learn more about yourself and push past things that you didn't believe you could necessarily achieve. And I think when I look back on what I've done, I've, I've had a lot of personal hurdles that I've had to go over. Um, and sometimes I, it took a long time and I stumbled a lot. And sometimes I like nailed it and like cleared that hurdle perfectly, not perfectly, but like got over it. And I was like, Whoa, wow, that's what it takes. Cool. So I'm very proud that I've put myself, I've been in circumstances that have pushed me past what I thought I was capable of. And I'm still here and I'm still going and I'm still creating. And it has made me stronger as a person, has made me better as an artist and has made me, uh, yeah, better as a, better as a person and stronger as an artist. And that's the thing that I think I am the most proud of about my career. And that's all, that's very, very just about me, which might be super selfish, but <laughs> that's all I can really do. Well, that's what this show is. It's all about you. What was, uh, what was the toughest hurdle, Teal? Uh, I mean, it was wicked. I did wicked for a long time. And when I started playing Alphaba, which was in the Los Angeles company, it was the first big role I'd ever done. The biggest, I had never carried, I mean, Alphaba and Glinda are carrying the show together, but, and it's both a huge load, but, but it's basically like two people carrying two shows. Like it's, 
the, the amount of weight on each girl is like basically a whole show. So learning how to be the lead and to carry a show and not even just, not, not just any show, but a show that's one of the hardest vocal uh, scores and physically demanding because you're just running around the whole time. Like Alphaba's never not like running. She's, I mean, maybe she stands still on stage, but if you're not on stage, you're probably running somewhere to get back on stage or doing a costume change. So it's just, it's a lot. Um, and so that was the most challenging thing. And I really learned about what I was as a performer. I made a lot of mistakes. I realized I, my weaknesses. I realized I was not as disciplined as I needed to be to make this a sustainable career. Um, and yeah, so I had some, a lot of like crashing and burning on my face, but I always sort of got up, brushed it all back and came back. And, and by the time I made my Broadway debut, I, I had done the show in two different companies and had a lot of, made a lot of mistakes in those companies and had a lot of like just things that were hard that I was like, oh my God, I'm exhausted. How, what does it mean to be exhausted and have to still perform and be like, oh, you take the show off and realizing what happens when you don't take the show off, you can't finish the show and you ruin your voice for like a month. And then like all these just crazy things. So by the time I had my Broadway debut, I had learned so much that I knew what it, what I needed to do as a performer to live this like dream of being on Broadway in a role that I knew and to do it in a healthy, emotional, physical, vocal, mental way. So that's my, that's my big thing. <laughs> that's deep. Sorry. Sorry. That's like deep. No, I, this, this is what we want to hear. And this is a lot of stuff that I, you know, to my understanding, you haven't really talked about in the past, which is pretty cool. Was there, um, was it, the ultimate validation, you know, once you actually made it to Broadway, was there like a, uh, was there a certain performance that stands out, you know, where you kind of take a step back and say like, damn, I, I can do this. I made it. Was there a certain, you know, number that you're performing in Wicked that, you know, you're like, damn, I really nailed it. This is my career now. Ooh, yeah. I do have to say my first performance uh, in Wicked on Broadway, I. I don't remember a lot of that show. And it was, it was like 10 years ago. It was sometime in February. Somebody reminded me of the date. And of course I don't, I don't remember what it is. We said it in the intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was like maybe a couple weeks ago, which is just crazy. I was like, oh my God, 10 years ago, I performed in front of a live audience on Broadway for the first time as Elphaba. Uh, and the beautiful thing about Alphaba, she is kind of the best entrance into a show. She she comes in maybe 15, 20 minutes. The show started. Everybody's talking about her, singing about her. <laughs> and we're like, we're going to do a flashback. Um, and then, you know, these doors open at the very back of the stage and Alphaba's uh, choreography, choreography uh, whatever, what she's supposed to do is run down center, straight front, down center to the very lip of the stage and stop and stand and look out at this world, which is Shiz, this Shiz University, which is like this new start and be hopeful, be, be green <laughs> in all senses of the word and hopeful about what might be. And I got to do that on, on a Broadway stage for the first time. So I had a split second where I because of all of the stuff I had been through, I think before with the role, I was like, Teal, you have earned this. You are allowed to take a second as you, Teal, 
to embrace the fact that you're staring at the Gershwin audience, which is full of people. I had a lot of friends and family in the audience, so people were cheering. Elphaba gets a lot of entrance applause anyway, so it was very exciting, and I got to absorb it all. And I had a second where I said to myself, holy shit, you're here. This is a dream, and you are here. Now don't fuck it up. And then, you know, then move on and do the show. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what's more difficult, you know, walking into a juggernaut like that, you know, because Wicked, I mean, you know, that was 2011. The show is still running strong. Or is it more difficult, you know, to, uh, you've originated a number of roles as well. You know, for example, you know, your most recent show, you're taking on share. I mean, you're, you're yeah. not just take, you're not just originating a role. You're taking on, you know, an icon. What's more difficult going into, you know, the juggernaut that's wicked or originating a role, you know, like you did with the share show. I think, I, I think originating a role, I, it's, it's the most difficult, but it's also the most rewarding. Um, some people probably will say taking over a role is harder, but I haven't really had to, Wow, I, I I have yet to take over a role for someone who you know created this role, and then me step in to try to you know figure out what it means to be in their shoes. Um, and with Alphaba, the show had been around for a little bit. My I I started the show. I joined the Los Angeles company in two thousand eight, and I'm sorry I can't remember my Wicked trivia, but the show had been around for a little bit. It had been running for a while, so. Um, so there had been several alphabet, many alphabets who have played it. And, but it was also my first show. So I was just like, I'm just doing my job. And all the other professional shows I had done before were shows that existed before. So you're like, okay. So I was like, this is sort of what I do. I just have to, I have my own take on alphabet, but I have to figure out how to justify what these things are that they have been staged to do to keep the flow of the show because I'm stepping into a cast and a company that has already figured out what they're doing. And I have to figure out my own way of justifying all of that. So I was like, okay, I can do that. Which, which was fine for me. Sometimes it was hard, but I was like, that's what we do as actors. We like problem solve. Um, but originating rule is there's so many, like, it's so many unknowns. You're like, I don't know. Does this character do this or does she do that? I mean, I don't know. I won't know until I try. And sometimes you try something and the director or the other actors or the composer will be like, I don't think so. And you're like, okay, cool. I'll try something else and whatnot. But it's hard because you really don't know if you're getting it right. I mean, you probably never know if you're getting it right, but until maybe opening night when you're like, well, I get this is, these are the choices I made. So hopefully that works. Um, so it, it's, it's a lot more challenging. It it demands a lot more of you trusting yourself as an artist, which is wonderful, but also can be scary. Um, yeah. And then duh, with like share, I mean, then you're trying to like be share and who can be share except share. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole thing. Luckily I had, I had three other ladies to share quote unquote the experience with so we all all of us collectively figured out how to be the ultimate share um which made it so we could kind of do our own versions of things and kind of try to at least universally across the board lock in on a few things that we could all do together that were 
sort of iconic together that would be the 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 um bridge to each of our versions of share and then have the freedom to kind of be our actor selves around that. Now, there's a story that when uh, Cher first saw the show, it was in Chicago before he came to Broadway, and she offered notes. Um, what were your interactions like with her? And, you know, did she give you a lot of advice that uh, you brought back to New York? Oh, Cher. <laughs> <laughs> I, wish, I wish this was video right now. I wish the audience I know, right? react to that question. <laughs> I mean, the th- thing is, like, she's she's this she's an enigma. She's so many she's so many things. So it's um, uh, Stephanie, uh, yeah, Stephanie J. Block. In case you guys don't know who Steph is, uh, she she sort of said at one point, she's like, Cher is she's not a she's not a this or that. She's an and. She's this and she's that. She's she's very much like the dichotomy of things that you would usually compare to each other. She's she's leather, badass, you know, goddess warrior, meets casual sweatpants, um, like beach, soft flowers, muted tones, I'm vulnerable, share. Like she's so many things and trying to figure that out was like, what? And so, yeah, we had a few, we all, all of us shares had our own kind of like one-on-ones with her. And her big thing for me was because most of my my story of share was the basically sort of the the beginning of the end and the end of Sunny and Share and the marriage and the business relationship and what that was and sort of figuring out what it would mean to separate from him and to c- continue her career just as herself as a solo career and the courage that she tried to find and she 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 was very open and honest about how hard that was and how she really did not know how to be share without Sunny and share. She told a story about how she would call to make a reserve, a dinner reservation. And they had been super famous. And she's like, can I get a dinner reservation? Um, they're like, what's the name? She said, share. They're like, who share, who share like Sunny and share. And they said, Oh, right. Okay, sure. But like she, she didn't know how to be just share. And so she was very open about how hard that was and how vulnerable she was during that. And, and that was just really interesting because I got to see a very vulnerable, honest share in, you know, in my dressing room, <laughs> sitting on my, sitting on the chair, just like hanging out. And I was like, okay, okay, share. Cool. She was also very, because my, a lot of my stuff was the Sunny and Share show. So she was very specific about um, their like jokes, like their like banter and joke delivery. And she told me I didn't have to try to talk like her as much. What'd she think of your share voice? I don't know. I don't know. The fact that she said I don't have to try to sound like her a lot maybe means that she hated it. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, can we hear the share voice? Oh God, I don't know. But the thing is, like, we every time we all hear our voices, we're like, that's what I sound like? Really? Really? And someone does an impersonation of you, and you're like, that's not me. You're you're dumb. That's that's not what I sound like. Um, share. Oh, my God. It's a whole process. You have to, like, remember how to... I don't know. I mean, maybe I could try to do the share, but uh, I don't know. Al, Al, what do you, what do you, what do you want? 
What are you doing? This is the okay, fun moment. Doing it just with break, break a bat. Break a bat. It's a podcast. <laughs> you should listen to it. Okay, I'm giving up now. <laughs> I hate to make you do parlor tricks, but that was absolutely amazing. <laughs> I mean, after a year and a half of doing it, you would think all of us, actually, all of us shares should figure out, it's got to be in our back pocket. We got to have it somewhere, you know? It's our trick hit. Uh, is that a baseball reference? No. <laughs> well, speaking of baseball references, you know, Teal, I think that this could be a good time for us to play a little game. Oh, a game. Great. <laughs> Great. You're just going to make me keep laughing this whole episode. Now, listen, Deal, I know that, uh, you know, you told me beforehand, you're not necessarily the biggest baseball fan, but, you know, the fact that you're here in the batter's box tonight is a very big deal for the baseball and Broadway community. You know, this little niche that we have here, you know, uh, with the Broadway Podcast Network. And I thought that tonight's show here tonight uh, would be a good chance for you to join what we call the winner's circle for the Baseball Meets Broadway Trivia Elite. Are you familiar with the winner's circle? No. As you guess you win. Yes, you win something. <laughs> if you do a good enough job, or if, as we like to say on the show, if you get enough questions right um, in this little trivia game, you could join the winner's circle uh, and maybe even get a little prize. It's like kind of like <gasps> our official welcoming to you if, uh, you know, if you're down to play that sort of game. Totally. Oh, epic. All right. So we call the seventh inning stretch. It's your chance to stay loose as a performer, go into the cage, take some cuts. And um, yeah, I'll ask you a few questions. They're all multiple choice. And uh, yeah, like I said, if you get enough of them right, you'll win the prize and join the winner's circle. Oh God, I'm so I'm nervous. Okay. <clears throat> okay. And I promise I'm not going to embarrass you because uh, I, I carefully chose some of these questions, you know, just based on your background and some of the things you told me. And I think that some, some of these will be really fun for the audience too. Great. All right. Batter up. Now I've heard you say in the past that you're a big Hamilton fan. Uh, the show's choreographer, Andy Blankenbuehler, included a baseball Easter egg in the production. Uh, during It's Quiet Uptown, which New York Yankee... I should say, which New York Yankee legend's batting routine was emulated by the men surrounding Hamilton by putting their arm outward toward him like they were pointing? Is it A, Yogi Berra, B, Derek Jeter, C, Don Mattingly, or D, Joe DiMaggio? I have absolutely no idea, so I'm just going to say... Yogi Berra, because I like saying that name. <laughs> the answer is uh, Derek Jeter. He'd have his oh. bat in his hand, and, you know, before the pitcher's windup, he'd put his arm out, you know, in front of him like he was pointing towards the outfield. So when the men are singing to Hamilton, they all stand around him, and they all put their hand out, and that was an homage to Derek Jeter. That's awesome. I thought it would be somebody older for some reason, but but what do I know? Clearly not a lot, so... At least he knew Yogi Berra, you know, was older. He played in the 50s and 60s. So, all right, probably yeah. there. All right. You're over for one, but, uh, you know, we have a good basis of knowledge here. Uh, speaking I'm of Derek terrible Jeter. at, like, baseball, softball. So, this, of course, <laughs> I'm going to be terrible at a at a mul multiple-choice question, uh, Q&A, or question-answer thing. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. 
right, ready to gonna, sound like a fool. All right. Yeah, I, I promise <laughs> I'm not going to embarrass you with this one. And I think you this might be right up your alley because it goes back to your ties in Northern California. In 2011, the aforementioned Derek Jeter became the New York Yankees' all-time leader in stolen bases. When he stole his 327th base, he broke a Yankee record that was previously held by a certain player who, prior to donning the pinstripes, played for your hometown Oakland A's. Was that player A, Reggie Jackson, B, Jason Giambi, C, Johnny Damon, or D, Ricky Henderson? I have no idea. I don't know anything. Hey. The answer the is name Rick, I know. <laughs> the answer is Ricky Henderson. The answer was D. Um uh, 0 for two. That's okay. Ricky Henderson was also known as the man of steel. Um great. All right. You know, it's okay though. Ricky Henderson really only played uh, you know, since you were born for Oakland uh in like the late nineties. He was there, you know, in the early eighties before you were born uh, born. So that's okay. Um <laughs> Right, you're Thank you for here. trying to make me feel better. I, I'm fine with having with being terrible at this game. It's okay. It's okay. I have a feeling you're going to hit this next one out of the park, though, because it's like probably okay. like uh, you might you might be able to get this. Let's say here. Now, in addition to your own talent, you've been surrounded by great talent throughout your career, and like some of your prior castmates, you've had the good fortune to sing the national anthem prior to a major league baseball game. However, only one of your prior castmates has sung the national anthem before a Subway Series game. That's when the Mets and the Yankees play each other. Um, so I'm going to encompass both New York fan bases here. Which of your following castmates is the only person to sing the national anthem prior to a Subway Series game? Is it A, Matthew Morrison, B, Kelsey Grammer, C, Stephanie J. Block, or D, Michaela Diamond? Ooh, I'm going to say, honestly, it could be Three people, I think. But I'm going to say Michaela just because I know she saying, no, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. Matthew Morrison. All right. Well, Michaela Diamond did sing the national anthem before a Mets home opener. They were not playing. There the we Mets, go. But Matthew Morrison did sing the national anthem. Uh, does prior does to that it. technically count? Does that technically count? That seems right. That was my first instinct. Um you guys, this you decide. It's just that's okay. I'll make you a deal. <laughs> if you get this uh, next one right, I can't necessarily say that you'll join the winner's circle, but I'm, I'll give you a prize <laughs> if you can get this right. How about this? Okay, great. And this is pure Broadway. <laughs> so I, I, let's, <laughs> let's see how you do. Um, while most believe Wicked was truly deserving of the Tony Award for Best Musical in 2004, a different show ended up winning the award in a massive upset. Was that show? A, The Boy from Oz, B, Avenue Q, C, Caroline or Change, or D, Moving Out? Uh, Avenue Q. Ding, ding, ding. You That's got the it. Only thing I know. <laughs> I'm good with Broadway. How emblematic of what usually happens during this segment. Uh, Teal, I'm very sorry that you didn't join the winner's circle, but I nonetheless, I appreciate the participation. I'm proud to present you. Uh, with a little something for the baseball season, this is your official Chapman oh. on Broadway break a bat long sleeve t-shirt. Little swag. Yes. Oh my god, I love that. Yeah, it, it's 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 a pretty cool piece of merchandise. If you don't, if yeah, you, I think that you'll enjoy that. So that's actually yeah, I will. That's actually real cute. So thank you. I'm happy for that consolation prize for knowing nothing about baseball. Um, I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> 
Sorry for all the baseball lovers out there. You're totally fine. I'm so happy that at least, you know, you you went out on a high note. You got a hit in your last at bat. And, uh, you know, nonetheless, I'm glad that uh, we can give you a little something for, you know, your good spirit about playing the game. Great. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting. You know, you say that, you know, you don't know your baseball, but you like participating, you know, whether it be in the Broadway show league or, you know, going to games, that's like something that you're kind of into, right? Oh yeah. Oh my God. I mean, I, I, I love it. I love going, I love going to live sports events and there's something about a baseball game. That's uh, something I think maybe it just feels very, very old school. feels very rooted in Americana. It's outside. It's big. It's a lot of grass. It's really pretty. I mean, (laughs) so silly. Some of the baseball stadiums are just like gorgeous. Like the giant stadium in San Francisco is amazing. Um, and like the new Yankee stadium is super, super cool. Has like really good food, (laughs) has like craft beer and all these things. It's just, there's something about it. It's, I'm, uh, I just, I love it. It's a, it's super fun. So even though I might not know anything about the teams, I am happy to go and cheer and support yeah. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And, you know, you got to meet the legendary Vince Scully when you sang the national anthem at Dodger Stadium. Even for, like, a non-sports you know, sports fan. Is that lost on you? Like, you know, getting to have no. that experience? No. I Even though I did not realize how big of a moment it was, because I was like, I don't quite know who you are, but everybody was very excited about it. Like even beforehand, they're like, this is a big deal. And I was like, wow, this is a big deal. Okay, this is very, very cool. Um, and then after the fact, then when I realized actually who he was and his like legacy, I was like, oh, this actually is a very, very big deal. It was very, very cool. And like the and also Dodger Stadium is beautiful because it's it's um near like Griffith Park and it's 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 a it's a very iconic thing. I think that's why it like baseball, it's just there's it, it's so rooted in so much America, Americana, and like, uh, feels like, well, as I say, America's greatest pastime and all that sort of stuff. So there's so much history and legacy that goes along with it. So wherever you are going to any game is very exciting. Even like minor league games in Sacramento, we have, we have the river rats. So I went, that's where I grew up in Sacramento and, uh, the river rats have a very nice stadium alongside the Sacramento river. So I've been to games there going to like the, um, Coney Island, the, um, the, oh my God, the, the, yeah, the Cyclones. That was 
super fun because it's right there on the beach. They have fireworks and it's, there's so much to just, it's just a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you talk about Americana. I mean, baseball and Broadway are my two greatest passions. And, you know, so much of that stems from what you just talked about. Yeah. I mean, and those are very, very distinctly American things. I mean, yeah. Broadway, what we know of Broadway was created here. Different hybrids of it started elsewhere, but like what we solidify as like Broadway, <laughs> when you say Broadway, um, is very distinctly American and, and baseball is also very distinctly American. And so, yeah. So yeah, well, well done, Al, bringing those worlds together. Well, thank you. I'm so glad that you were down to participate in this crossover. And I'm sure our audience is, is enjoying it just as much. And, uh, you know, Teal, one little thing that we do, uh, you know, just to keep the baseball theme alive, to wrap every show, it's a little segment called Fastball Derby. And what happens here is it's our chance, uh, you know, to provide you the platform for our audience to get to know you a little bit better through questions that you're probably not typically asked you know, in your, your past podcasts and interviews. Um, and I want you to visualize yourself in the ninth inning. You know that t-shirt that I just showed you that you won? Um, I want you to imagine, so I said Chapman on Broadway. Araldus Chapman is very theatrical. He's the Yankees closer. He throws 105 miles an hour. Oh um, my God. Yeah, now I do not have that athletic ability, but I want you to visualize uh, me as Araldus Chapman uh, on the pitcher's mound. You're in the batter's box. I'm going to, you know, you got to think quick. He's throwing 105. I'm going to ask you a question, and you tell me the first thing that comes to mind. All right. <clears throat> good, good. I'm ready. Uh, she's putting a helmet on uh, for yeah. everyone listening in the audience. You're <laughs> swinging one of those bats with the, like, the thing on it that makes it heavy, right? The donut, yes. <laughs> yeah, the donut. See, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I should I should incorporate vocabulary into the uh, next seventh inning stretch when someone tells me that they're not a big uh, baseball fan. But uh, <laughs> let's see uh, let's see how you do here. And uh, you know you're a great storyteller, Teal. So feel free to throw some of those in there too, depending on the question. Oh, okay. Favorite New York City meal? Oh, um, everything bagel with like so much cream cheese and smoked salmon and capers and onions. That's one of my favorite meals. And you know what? That's yeah. a, uh, that's a very good way to lead off fastball derby here. <laughs> now you're a Cali girl and you know a thing or two about great American music. Who's America's band, the beach boys or the Eagles? The beach boys. Sorry. I had, yeah. Beach Boys. Beach Boys. Beach Boys. I love the Beach Boys. The Eagles are okay. Beach Boys created the California sound. I'm not, I'm not debating that whatsoever. So that's a surf rock, man. It's, it's a, it's a whole thing. I don't think yacht rock would have existed. I don't know. I've just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't get me started on that. It's not just surf rock. It's the Baroque no, pop I... and the Pet Sounds album and Good Viber. All right. Anyway, moving on to question three and fastball derby. I appreciate Sorry, that, Al, because I, I second all of that. That's a whole nother thing. Okay, moving on. <laughs> All-time favorite film. Oh, I hate this question because I, I can never, ever, ever say um, all-time favorite, all-time favorite. Um, I'm going to say just because classics, uh, I, I love Jezebel. It was like the alternate Gone with the Wind with Betty Davis, and I that rocked my world. Your dream role. <sighs> dream role. Um, 
Uh, she, uh, some version of me that has yet to be done. Some cross-country weird road trip thing that's, I don't know, some like mind trip thing. You've been binging a lot of television uh, throughout the pandemic. You have to binge watch either Growing Pains or Full House. Which do you choose? Growing Pains. Big fan, too. And for our audience, we might have a little treat coming up for you in a uh, few weeks here. Uh, (laughs) Who is your favorite Muppet? I mentioned Bert and Gonzo earlier, so you can tell we like the Muppets here. Who's your favorite Muppet? Oh, um... Um, animal. Great choice. He's awesome. He's so authentic in himself all the time. <laughs> Most embarrassing onstage moment. Uh, one of my early days of being Elphaba in Wicked in Los Angeles. Uh, it, I did, did a hair toss. I, it might've been like my first time going on with, with half of a new cast. Like I had a new Fiero and all of this sort of stuff. And I, I toss, tossed my hair. Elphaba comes out and does like a practice toss, 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 post popular into the scene with anyways. And Fiero catches her. And I toss, toss my hair so much that I literally fell on my butt. Like I tossed my feet out from under me and fell right on my ass. Um, I was very surprised that that happened. I had no idea how I ended up on the ground, but I was there. Wow. How did the audience (laughs) react? (laughs) I don't know. I was so like shocked and my Fiero just looked at me and said, what? And started laughing. And I looked at him and I said, what? Very angry. And then stood up and went on with the scene. (laughs) All right. You've sung some (laughs) epic songs on Broadway. What's the best example of a Teal Wicks performance? That's, I don't know how to answer that question. I have no freaking clue. I have no clue. I, I told don't you, it's 105 know. miles an hour. You're not going to necessarily know how to react to something like that. I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, let's drink champagne. There you go. Great choice. Okay. That was excellent. 100% TOX. The writers, <laughs> the composer was like, I have to give you something to belt because that opening number changed a thousand times and the song changed a bunch of times. And he was like, I have to give you something to like belt. And so just here, here's, here's, this is what I can offer you. (laughs) So that's unabashedly me. And I like, uh, beverages that are adult beverages. So, you know, that's, that's very much teal, I guess. Love it. Lastly, what's the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? The power of stillness. So that's all I got. You know, I uh, think about think about it. It's it's good. You don't like the Eagles, but you know they have a really great song called "Learn to Be Still." Uh, Did that influence your choice at all? Um, No, I don't know that song. It's from the "Hell Freezes Over" album, and it is fantastic. Because I I could talk California rock with you in like a whole other episode, (laughs) and this. I feel bad. I think I've been swayed too much by the dude from Big Lebowski, and he's like he's very anti-Eagles. So somehow in my brain. That became a thing. I know. You know what? You described the Beach Boys as surf rock, which uh, was American Graffiti actually made a joke about that, uh, you know, because they were they were playing like surf and safari or something. And, you know, some people might just think of the Eagles as like peaceful, easy feeling. Both those bands go way beyond their stereotype in the later years. So uh, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Pet Sounds is like 
it's it's epic. It's epic and redefined so much. My uh, co-creator of this podcast, Chris Katzman, often jokes that I've turned this show into baseball meets Broadway meets Beach Boys because of that question that I like to ask at Fastball Derby. So I'm glad that you know your stuff so we can actually oh, wow. <laughs> show oh that. Oh my gosh, that's so fun. <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast. Now we got to do like the deep dive like Beach Boys podcast. Yeah, well, you know what? When we're on the other end of this thing, Teal... Uh, hopefully you could join us in studio and, uh, you know, we'll do this again. Cause this was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, and I'm going to brush up on my, um, baseball knowledge. Cause now I feel like an idiot, not your fault, just my own fault. I was like, Oh, I honestly know nothing. Um, sorry. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> well, nonetheless, Dale, I think you hit some major home runs tonight. I'm so grateful you could join us tonight. And, uh, you know, for all the folks at home who might want to connect with you on social media, where's the best place where they could find you? Oh, I'm I'm at Teal Wicks on kind of everything. Um, yeah, find me there. <laughs> as easy as that. Teal Wicks. There that's we go. My name. <laughs> Very original. That's good. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, this was great. Thank you so much again for coming on tonight, Teal. And uh, you know, thank you to all the folks at home who listened tonight. Uh, to break a bat, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, This is Al Malafrante signing off for the Broadway Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.